In the words of our sung response, O come, O come, Emmanuel, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows in the world put to flight. This week's, this week we had the remembrances of some dark times in our country, the bombing of Pearl Harbor and the shooting at Sandy Hook. These are a reminder of all other times in the short history of our nation that were troubling and also the history of civilization. Times when the people have lived in turmoil and fear, horror, divisiveness, and rage. Indeed, since creation of humankind, the people have prospered and suffered struggled and perished, and prospered once again. The 12 tribes of Israel, once a united monarchy, had divided into two kingdoms some 900 years before Christ. They divided into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern and smaller kingdom of Judah. The people strayed from God's commandments, human leadership in both made strategic mistakes when dealing with the aggressive Assyrians who eventually destroyed the northern kingdom. Judah became a vassal state to Assyria for a period of time. It was during this time of struggle that the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah. The Davidic dynasty looked small next to the powerful Assyrians. But the Lord would cut down all the unfaithful like trees in a forest. I picture the clear cuttings that I saw when I was out in the Northwest. Great hillsides, strips of all trees, only stumps in rows appearing. Isaiah's proclamation that the Davidic line would spring up again from the stump of Jesse, King David's father, was much needed salve to the distressed people of Judah. The, preachable, the peaceable kingdom is the prophet's vision of the broken creation of God restored to harmony among all creatures. Some 600 years later, the Roman Empire maintained power over the people and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the religious leaders. Once again, God sent a prophet to speak to the people. And on the edge of the wilderness, John the Baptist urged the people to change their ways and prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus, whose lineage goes back to David, would be the one to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. This morning's scripture reading the first one is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and th uh, 6 through 10. You can follow along in your pew Bible. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, 
His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play with the hole, or play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Our second reading is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judah, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming from baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, and the chain will burn with unquenchable fire. May God bless our understanding of this reading. Have you driven around town? or the various neighborhoods at night lately. With darkness coming so early, it's not hard to do. Isn't it lovely? All the lights, it's like magic for me. And now that Thanksgiving is finally over, remember Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe it was just a week ago, a little more than a week ago. Now is a time for focusing on giving thanks, and well, we should give thanks all the time. But now that's behind us, the centers of town and many houses and stores have festive lights, wreaths, and window displays. Trees adorned with sparkling lights shine on lawns and through household windows. On some, oh, for some, the decorations may not be totally to your 
liking, but that's okay. It's still a time of anticipation of something special to come. Lights in the darkness bring a sense of welcome and warmth, celebration, hope, and peace. Now this is a time of shopping, party planning, and gift buying and wrapping, decorating inside and out, baking delicious cookies, and cooking various meals. Christmas is coming. Children can't wait until Christmas morning when they hope they will find gifts under the tree. But it is a long wait for the little ones, especially since stores and televisions have been promoting all the things they just absolutely have to have since Halloween. <laughs> now with everything aglow, there is still waiting time. Waiting is hard. It's hard for the kids. It's hard for us. We don't live in a culture that helps us to wait well. We live in a place and time where we have come to expect things instantly. Fast food, fast deliveries, fast communication with friends and family around the world, no matter what the hour. Answers to our questions are at our fingertips. We can ask anything of our computers, and we can have that information right there in front of us. How does all that prepare us for some serious waiting? Waiting. Waiting for test results. Waiting for doctor's calls. Waiting for the end of physical or mental pain. A good friend of mine who lives in the Midwest has been suffering terribly for months with terrible pain. Trying to get out of bed can take many, many minutes. The hip doctor said it was her, her spine, and her spine doctor said it was her hip. So she kept searching for a doctor, anyone that could give her help. And then finally, I think it was about a week ago, she posted that she has had a treatment and she's feeling better. The pain isn't gone, but she is better. And every day she's posted, I am almost back to normal. But for how long? And now she's waiting to see how long. Waiting. We wait for good things too. For babies that are born. And we wait for the telephone call that says our friend made it safely home. We wait for a sale to go through. Wait for the arrival of a friend. Wait for a festive dinner. Wait for Santa Claus. Wait for the promised peaceable kingdom. Wait. Advent calendars help children in this December waiting time. Though most, I fear, are waiting for the presents from Santa. These seasonal calendars come in various forms. Pictures of winter scenes or nativity have little doors cut in them, and then they're numbered 1 to 24, kind of randomly. So that's part of the fun for the kids, is finding the right day and then opening the door. And behind that door is what? Perhaps a picture of a lollipop? 
or an angel. Some have scripture, a biblical story of Jesus' birth. But there are other types of calendars. There are wooden ones and with tiny shelves that hold small gifts to be opened every day. Our church school sold advent calendars and behind every door was a chocolate. I sent one for each of my grandchildren and I talked to my daughter last night and she said, yes, they're loving it, but Jonathan doesn't understand why he can't keep opening all the doors until he's eating all the chocolate. And of course, she can't have any of their chocolate. My granddaughter also has an advent calendar that is wood and Christmas tree, and she hangs an ornament on it every day and will be continuing to do so until Christmas Eve. Growing up, my sisters and I had several of those picture advent calendars, and we would rise and go running downstairs to open those little doors every morning in December. This practice helps children get through that waiting time, and I think it helps the parents too. Yet, waiting was the pattern of the lives of God's people. Adam waited for a partner. Noah waited for the floodwaters to recede. Abraham waited for a son. Jacob waited to marry Rachel. Hannah waited for children. The Israelites waited for deliverance from Egypt and then to enter into the Promised Land, and then from exile in Babylon. Now these weren't 24 days of waiting. These were years, seven years, 40 years, 50 years of waiting. Our morning's gospel reading made no allowance for waiting or putting off till tomorrow what should be done today. John the Baptist stands at the edge of the wilderness calling people to repent, repent now, not later, not days from now, repent. And then he chastises the Pharisees and the Sadducees who have come out to the wilderness to object to his actions, performing what they should be doing back in the city. And John turns to them and calls them a brood of vipers harsh words for this Advent season. Well, he's a severe character, this John the Baptist. He sees through these leaders of the Jewish community. They think they are better than the rest, but they too have to stand up and be judged by God. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The one who will come after him carries a winnowing fork and the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Where's the ho-ho-ho and the fa-la-la-la-la in that? <laughs> we do get a bit of uplift in our passage from Isaiah with the promise of a shoot coming from the stump of Jesse, a continuation of the blessed Davidic line. Isaiah is promising a good and just ruler, a righteous king. Originally, they thought that was Hezekiah because he was so much better than the previous king, but he too failed the people. Now reading Isaiah through a Christian lens, Isaiah's promise 
ruler is Jesus, the Christ, the risen Christ, who returns, will usher in the peaceable kingdom. Now that is something to prepare for, for whenever it comes. The second verse, I don't know if you noticed, but the second verse of our hymn on Jordan's bank, The Baptist Cry, makes this preparation clearer. It says, cleansed be every life from sin. Make straight the way for God within. And let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. It's not about the lights or the parties or the wonderful food or even about family gatherings, though they can add to our joy and our hope and our peace. During Advent, we prepare our hearts by welcoming Jesus into our lives, into our hearts, and gathering with other faithful people. We prepare the world by joining the chorus of those crying in the wilderness of our world today, proclaiming the path obedient to God's commands through our actions and bearing good fruit. Prepare the way of the peaceable kingdom. Break down the barriers. Demonstrate compassion. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Care for children and the isolated and the sick. Be good stewards of God's creation. So let us prepare ourselves for the way of the Lord. Here in our hearts and in the world. Amen. Amen.